<laughs> I, I, he started talking about you can listen to these CDs and you can get a copy of it. And it made me, I started laughing. There's a little old lady in Mount Vernon, Missouri. My wife and I started our ministry in that church. And her name was Abby Smith. And when you went to see Abby, there was a sign in, inside her front door that said, if you're coming to see me, just come. If you're coming to see my house, call ahead of time, okay? <laughs> and we were having a nice visit, and she said, oh, Tim, whenever I can't sleep, I just get one of your sermon tapes. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, my interpretation of what she meant by that was different than my wife's. Uh, so use caution uh, if you listen to a CD. Um, when I travel, and I don't, I don't travel a lot, but I travel enough to tell you I feel good about what I see in God's church. And maybe I'm just getting invited to really healthy places. There are so many good things here in your church family. And I hope, I hope you go home encouraged. You need to know I'm going home encouraged. Um, you know what? I was telling this story earlier. One of the places I preached, one lady said, my favorite part was when it was all over. And I thought, well, that hurt my feelings a little bit. <laughs> and she said, little kids were running in the building. I thought, you didn't have to pause so long before that one part and the other part. But um, I'm encouraged by laughter. I like to be with people. I, I like to, to, to learn about you and know about you and talk together and laugh together. I'm encouraged by your but the, the prayers that you have prayed together this week have been greatly encouraging. Uh, there's fellowship and friendship and such interest. And, uh, and I appreciate that. It's a wonderful thing. And I just, I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's been a joy to be with you. So I don't know how many years ago this was, but I, I saw this post on Facebook. Uh, a preacher shared a picture. He said, I'm inspired today by a 92-year-old man who came to the front of the auditorium after the sermon and said, I was baptized in 1955 to make everyone happy. Today I want to be baptized again, but this time to make God happy. Amen. And I love, I love that. And I, wanna, I, want to, I don't want to detract from, at 92 years old, this man, and there's time, as long as man... Life in the body, hope for the soul, right? If you're alive, there's still hope. But I wonder why did he wait that long? And over the course of all those years, how often did he worry? How anxious was he? How often did he think to himself, you know, man, I, I should do this again, the, the right thing, the right way for the, for the right reason. And I think it's one of the great mistakes that, that people make. When, when they know what God wants them to do, but they don't do it right away. And, and that's really what we're talking about tonight. Uh, th this idea that I think as soon as you understand the gospel, you should obey the gospel. As, as soon as, and every time you learn something new, you should bring your life up to the level of your knowledge. Uh, bring your practice and your understanding closer in harmony. The, the biblical examples that I think all of us are aware of and that, that we think of from time to time of those who, who knew but, but didn't respond. Uh, Paul is going to be with um, Governor Felix. He's going to talk to him about things like righteousness and 
justice and self-control. You know, there's the judgment to come and all, all these things. And Felix is afraid. Sometimes when people hear the truth, it does make them tremble. We started out Sunday morning, that word lost is a scary word. It's a fearful, it's a, it's a really scary thing to be lost. And so you have this in Acts 24, 25, he says, go, go away for now when I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. And here's the really tragic thing. You can read the rest of the Bible and that, that more convenient time never comes. As far as what we have recorded, we, we never hear that he, you know what, he went home and he thought about it. And then, you know, a week later, two weeks later, he said, hey, man, you know what, that's right. To our knowledge, that man had the apostle Paul in his presence telling him what he needed to do to be right with God. And he said, it's not the right time. And to our knowledge, the right time never came. Then you've got Agrippa. In Acts 26 and verse 28, when he says, Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. One is waiting for a more convenient time. One, one is hearing an incredible, go back and read everything that Paul says as he testifies about his faith to a governor and a king. And, and, he, and he's telling them about faith, life in Christ. And one, one says, I'm almost persuaded. And the, and the other one says, this just isn't a convenient time. You know, there are things in our lives that are so important, we've got to make time. There are things in our lives that we, that we clear our calendar because those things are so important. And, and what we're talking about this week, there isn't anything more important than your soul. There isn't anything more important than, than being at peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we're just having a Bible study. And, and really, God and his word is going to do, God's going to do the work. But when I ask the question, why not now? I just, if, I think these are going to be on the screen. But if you want to follow along, we're going to just be in the book of Acts looking at examples of people that it didn't take a month of study. Now, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody that's doing their homework. And, and I don't want you to rush a decision. I've studied with too many people that, that made a faith response without enough information. That they were rushed in to responding before they were properly taught. But, but you can be properly taught in a short amount of time. And we have examples in the Bible of people that just have one Bible study or they heard one sermon. And, and that's all that they needed to, to be saved. And I want you to understand that as we read these stories together tonight. And, and we're going to start with the day of Pentecost. And we're just going to kind of walk through. They only heard one sermon, but what a sermon. In that sermon, they, they heard about the miracles of Jesus. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. I like this last part. As you yourselves know, you know what he did. You know that he demonstrates power over death, power over demons, power over disease, that, that, he, that he has power over nature. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He, he turns water into, into wine. He, he, says, he says to dead people, come out, and they come out. He, listen, you know what he did. Now, some of you said he's casting out demons by, by the power of Beelzebub, but, but they didn't say he didn't do it. 
They, they attributed the power by which he was doing those things to a different source, but they didn't say he didn't really do it. The miracles of Jesus, the death of Jesus. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Can you imagine being in, in, in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost and hearing that sermon? What if some of the people that heard that message had also been present? Pilate says, here, here you have an insurrectionist, you have a murderer, you, you have Jesus who's claiming to be the Christ, which one do you want? You know, release Barabbas, what do you want me to do with Jesus? What did they say? Crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be on us and our children. And now, they're, they're being held accountable. You, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. By nailing him to the cross, the miracles of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, which really, when you go back and read all of these apostolic sermons in the book of Acts, the emphasis, all of the preaching really bears down, not just on the death, Jesus, folks, he conquered the grave. Yes, he died for our sins, but he's not dead. The angels testify he's risen just as he said. And it's a key component of apostolic preaching. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You can have messianic prophecies and quote quotations and different things. And he say, hey, David's talking here, but David's not talking about himself. They knew where David's tomb was. And Peter's like, if you want to go down, his bones are still in his grave. He was talking about the Christ. And so you've got the... The miracles of Jesus, the accreditation of God that, that Jesus was who he claimed to be, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus. Exalted to the right hand, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. It's poured out on you what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool uh, uh, for your feet. He, he's exalted. He's at the right hand. I like this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. This Jesus, whom you crucified, God is made to be both Lord and Christ. He's Lord. He's Christ. To, to all of those with, with uh, Jewish heritage, you killed your Messiah. Your Messiah came, and you nailed him to a cross. God made him Lord, and he is Christ. Well, think about this. They hear one remarkable sermon. And they respond immediately. In verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. But we've talked about some of, some of the language, some of the things we see in Scripture. And, and just, it is a good thing if you hear God's word, and it does not bring you under conviction. It would frighten me if I didn't have a guilty conscience. It, I'd be afraid if, if scripture stopped touching my heart and bringing me under conviction. It's a healthy thing that, that you have a spiritual sensitivity to the truth of God's word. That you can be pricked in the heart. That, that you can be convicted. That's a blessing. 
Those who accepted the message we know in Acts 2, verses 41, uh, verse 41, they, they accepted, were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. And here's the point. We'll keep coming back to this. They didn't, they didn't wait for a more convenient time. Uh, they didn't say almost. Man, you, hey, that's, that's some good preaching. You almost got me. You almost got me. They, they, the ones that accepted it were baptized. And he said there were 3,000. I don't, I don't know in my life that I've ever preached to 3,000 people. Can you imagine 3,000 people obeying the gospel? A lot of people are waiting. That they know and they've heard and they believe and they, they know what they should do and, and they're thinking about doing it. Tomorrow is a day that may not exist for me. You understand that? Does that make sense? This, the best opportunity I have to do what I need to do to be right with God is right now. You have the Ethiopian eunuch. He has one Bible study. It's a great, it's a great story in Acts chapter 8. In verses 30, and I'm some, some of it I'm summarizing, some of it I'm reading, but do, do you understand what you're reading? And what a, what a great question. What a great question. Terry, I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to anyway. She, she says she reads her Bible every, every year. And as we talked about baptism in, in some of the lessons, she said, I read those verses every year when I read the Bible. I read those verses. And, you know, sometimes... It's okay to say to people who are reading the Bible, do you understand what you're reading? I, I, don't, I don't mean that to sound condescending. I, I mean it to sound compassionate, concerned. Do you understand what you're reading? And, and what is the response? How can I unless someone explains it to me? That there are a lot of things that I've read that I, that I didn't understand and then somebody older and wiser, uh, I've heard them talk about and go, oh, that, that, that makes so much sense. How did I not see that? And so, Sometimes we need uh, people to explain it to us. No problem. Is that me? I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that me? feed me it's getting harder for me to find my belt down there <laughs> okay sorry about that um can I just tell you that beginning with that passage he preaches unto him Jesus I think when I was a young preacher and I hope you don't feel like I did what I'm about to describe now that that you don't think I've done that this week but I think when I was younger 
I think I, I think I taught baptism. I think I preached baptism. And I told people how to respond to Jesus, but I'm not sure I was doing a good job telling them about Jesus. I want people to love Jesus. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know who he is. I want them to know what he did for them. Is there anybody like Jesus? You know, I, I love the church, but, but not as much as I love Jesus. There are people who have, who, have, who have left the church because of how people treated them. I'm not leaving Jesus because any of you. I'm just telling you. And I love you, but, but I'm not leaving him because of any of you. I want people to fall in love with Jesus. Beginning with that passage of scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. And I just love how all of this just happens so naturally as they're reading and studying and talking. And, and there's just something wonderful about discussing our faith with people. Just, just talking to them about what we believe. They don't have to agree. I just want to tell you what I believe. I just want to tell you about it. Just let me have that opportunity, right? And so now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. This man, he's, he's a religious person. He has, his heart is seeking, he's searching. He wants to know God. He's gone to Jerusalem. Uh, he's gone to, to worship and, and he's on his way home. And even afterwards, he's, he's reading, he's studying, he's searching. He wants to know God. And somebody comes and says, hey, let me tell you about what you're reading. Let me help you to understand. He didn't need to be persuaded. He, he didn't say, listen, I'm so close, but, but this just didn't, I mean, that wasn't really, that wasn't a convenient time. I'm just telling you, I don't even want to take my shoes off tomorrow when I go to the airport. Are y'all with me? I don't like to do that. Everything's packed. I don't want to take it out. Take out your laptop. Take out. This guy pulls over, goes down into the water. A couple, couple years ago, they made me take my shoes off. I'm very... <laughs> persnickety. I, I like things a certain way, right? And here I am walking through their line of my bare feet and I stepped in something wet. I was mad the rest of the day. Are y'all with me? I, part of it was I didn't like being wet. Part of it was I was like, what did I just step? That's all free. But, but here's the point. He pulled over from a trip, went down into the water. He didn't say, look, this just isn't a really good time for me. I'm this close you know, you can die this close. Can you imagine being that close to the kingdom and saying, I'll do it when I get home. I'm, I'm here, but I'm going there. When I get from where I am to where I'm going, I'll do That's not what he did. There's an immediacy that we're reading in these stories that is so important. You know what he wants. I'm talking about the Lord. Do it. The Philippian jailer. That's the next one. So Paul and Silas are in prison, and I'd like, boy, I'd like to be, I'd like to be like the people I read about in the Bible. Can you imagine everything, all the unfair treatment, all the discomfort, everything? And they're not grumbling, they're not complaining, they're they're singing hymns and they're praying. I admire that. I really admire the, the joy and the resilience of their faith 
And I have to believe that people like that are a positive reflection of the God they love and serve. That they're, that they're up, upbeat, they're, they're not pessimistic, they're not grumbling all the time. They're joyful even in affliction. I'm just being honest. I think, I, I think that's something, I, it's an area where I could probably grow. But I, when I see things in others that I admire, I want to esteem to be that. And I, and I see that here in them. So there's an earthquake that shakes the prison's foundation. This is uh, chapter 16, verse 26. Suddenly there's such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison are shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. And I think, if I understand this correctly, if you're guarding a prisoner and you lose the prisoner, you lose your life. You're, you're, you're accountable for the person that you're guarding. And I think that, that helps you understand here, verses 27 through 29, the man's reaction. Uh, he woke up, he saw the prison doors open, drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, this is also to Paul's credit. And I think it speaks highly of his faith, is that he prevents that man from doing that. Uh, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. I wonder, I wonder how much the joy of their faith and their compassion and their concern for the man. Don't harm yourself. I wonder how much the quality of their character opened up a door for the gospel. And he falls down and he, he wants to know, what, what must I do to be saved? Do you, know, do you know that I've got a couple of these examples that happened just recently. Young man, maybe, maybe he's about 25, 26 years old, and a co-worker came up to him. This happened earlier this year. He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I don't know what he did, that, 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 that other young man knew it, but he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. He said, would you study the Bible with me? And he, he baptized that guy. Do not underestimate the power of your godly life. There's a, there's a writer named Oz Guinness. He said, the problem with American Christianity is not that we're not where we need to be, but that we're not what we should be right where, where we are. Wherever you go tomorrow, that's where God can work through your life. Who, who, whoever you spend your time with tomorrow, those are the folks you can influence with your faith. There's something about, there's something about the way that Paul and Silas conducted themselves that when this, when this man kind of gathers his wits again and everybody's been, you know, they're all present and accounted for, he says, what do I need to do to be saved, right? And we know that, that Paul and Silas, uh, this 31 and 32, they told him to believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to the others in his house. This is 33 and 34. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Immediately he and all his family were baptized uh, the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Best, best thing by far. I can, I can tell you a lot of great things that have happened to me, but the best thing by far is, is when the church came and brought my dad home. And when my dad came back, my mom came, my brothers came, they brought me in. Knowing God has been by far the best thing. All the other good things have come 
from being in a relationship with God. This man's thinking, he, he's, he's just filled with joy because he came to believe in God. That hour of the night, immediately, I, I, I've underlined that because I want you to see it. When I'm in a Bible study with, with a teenager and, and the parents, the parents say, hey, I, I think he's ready and grandma's coming in two weeks. That's not, that's not biblical. I, I, had a, I had a study, I mentioned this couple a uh, day or two ago and uh, he said, he said, when they, they were sitting in my office and they said, we're ready, we're ready today. He said, I'm going to call my mom. I said, where, where is she? He said, you know, a couple hours away. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'll tell her later. Mom doesn't want me to wait. Well, I agree with mom, but I agree with the Lord too. I, I think when you know what you're supposed to do, you should do it right away. I had a study one, one Sunday morning, about three or four of our teenage girls came out and they wanted to know, how did you know that you were ready to be baptized? I thought, well, that's great. Why don't we have a study? And so I'll bet every Wednesday night for about two months, we had a study with these girls. And when it ended, none of them were baptized. They're all young. They got the information. They're thinking about it. And then a couple months after that, one of their mothers texted me. It was about 1145. And she said, uh, I think Kira's ready to be baptized. Would you come up to the church building at midnight and I said, well, it's my fault. I, to I told her about the Philippian jailer. It's my fault. <laughs> At that hour of the night, I said, if she's, if she's ready now, are you kidding me? Yes. Yes, I'll be there. If she's ready, I'm ready. He didn't need to be persuaded. He didn't say it's not a convenient time. He didn't say, hey, why don't we get a good night's sleep? And then when, when we feel better in the morning, we'll make a, we'll make a run. At, no, that is not Bible. There, there are churches, I hear, I hear Christians sometimes say, oh, we, got, we, we believe the same things they, but we don't believe the same things that other religious groups believe. When, when somebody says we baptize quarterly, I'm telling you, I don't believe what they're doing. I believe when a person comes under conviction, when the word of God produces faith in their heart, they're ready to repent and confess they ought to be baptized immediately. I don't care what time of day it is. Here in about five minutes would be great, by the way. Amen. Okay. I'm just planting seeds. Um, I'm about to wrap it up. Saul of Tarsus. And we're going to read almost the whole chapter here. Starting in verse 6 of uh, Acts 22. He says, as I, I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why, do you, uh, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth whom you're persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And, he sa and I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be, uh, be told all that is appointed for you to do. I've heard people preach, there isn't anything you can do. Uh, you, you can't do anything. You shouldn't do anything. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, if that's the religion of Jesus, Jesus had an opportunity right there to say, do? What, what do you mean, do? 
You just have to, you just have to trust in the finished work of Christ. It's not what he said. He said, there is something you need to do. And if you go into the city, you'll be told what you must do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by, the, uh, by those who were with me and came into Damascus. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, uh, to see the righteous one, to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. And we know that he, that he got up and he was baptized. He didn't say, this, this just isn't a convenient time. He, he, he didn't say, well, you know, that whole thing talking with Jesus on the road, you almost got me. <laughs> Some people just can't wait. You ever, you ever, you ever, this thought just came to me because I, I joke about sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm like, you know, some guys, so, so, some guys say more in the introduction than I do in my sermon. And I'm like, come on, man. He, now he hadn't done that. But, but you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm ready to preach. You see a racehorse kind of in that starting block and it's ready to run. Listen, when you know the truth, you're, you're ready. Now I want to do it right away. And, and I see that in all of these stories. They're ready. Real quickly, what did Jesus say? We're just going to run through these things. We know what he said in John 8, 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will die in your sins. You have to believe. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. If you don't believe, you'll, uh, you'll die in your sins. If you, if you don't repent, you'll perish. He says, whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You've got to confess. And I, and I like that. I like, the, I, I like to look forward to the idea of, of him saying to the Father, she's with us, and she's with us, and he's with us. And you, you know what I mean. Because, because he confessed me before men, I'm going to tell the Father, he's with us. I like that. I'm looking forward to that. I don't want to be on the other side of that. I don't know her. I don't know him. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. We, we've, in my opinion, we've, we've hit all of the pertinent points. In, in, in the past, this is the, the last of six lessons. We've given, we've given everybody who's been in attendance enough information to put their faith in Jesus and to obey his commands. Why, why not now? I love it. I mean, it's exciting when people respond. There, there, was, a, there was a lady...
that they, they had moved from Arkansas to Oklahoma City. And when, when, they, when they came to us, they were coming from another church of Christ. So I just thought they were members. He was a member of the church. She wasn't. And, and my lesson that morning is you must be born again. <laughs> and she got up at the end of the sermon, walked straight down. And I said, Laura, what, what's going on? She said, I must be born again. That's what's going on. I must be born again. She was, she was in my office. We were having a study uh, with her second oldest daughter, Lillian, and she looked over and, and she saw somebody binds our church directories. And she saw the years and she smiled. She pulled the, the year that she was baptized off the shelf, flipped through the, director, or the uh, newsletters, and she goes, this is it. Her baptism was in that in that. Yeah, in, in the newsletter. She said, do, you, do I remember? Man, what a, what a great day. She heard one sermon about being born again with the emphasis of Jesus saying, you must be born again. And she walked forward that morning and she said, I must be born again. I remember a guy that was in Missouri. He was a, he was a grandfather Never obeyed, never obeyed the gospel. He would come to church with his wife, children, grandchildren. And people said, well, Glenn, Glenn's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. Or they'd say, well, you know, all the, all the violence in the Old Testament, he really struggles with why God would do that. And so, you know, they, they had all kinds of reasons why, why Glenn wasn't a, a Christian. I'd go and visit with him, got no satisfaction. What, you know, it just, I couldn't get through. When he got married, his his. He had his wife converted and he never obeyed the gospel. That's a true story. He knew the truth. His children were Christians. His grandchildren were Christians. Every time I preached on baptism, I'd find him. You know, he's back there. You know, I'm like, I'm going to get him this morning. Nothing. Nothing. And then I did a series um, borrowed from uh, Wendell Winkler on heart, heart problems and their cure. And I talked about the unforgiving heart. And the next Sunday morning, or sorry, it was a Sunday night, he walked, he, I, he walked all the way from the back, all the way down to the front. And I asked one of the dumbest questions. I said, Brother Glenn, are you going to obey the gospel? You know, I just thought I'd take a walk. No, I mean, he, he came to get baptized. Turns out uh, something terrible happened to his sister by a member of the family who was supposed to be a Christian. And he knew enough about the Bible to know that if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. All along, that's what it was. And, and once we discussed that and resolved some of those things in his heart, soon as he got to the point where something clicked in place and he understood it, he obeyed that night. Here's one of my favorites. I love this couple so much. So we, we do something now. We started this about three years ago. It's called Info Cafe. All of our visitors come in and have a cup of coffee with the preacher. So Sunday morning, I don't teach anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm meeting all of our visitors. This couple walks in, and uh, they're just so honest. It's like, hey, listen, um, we're living together, and we're not married. And we, we know that's not right. And so we, we, we want help to get where God wants us to be. We know that where we are isn't right. And we, we, we drive by this building. So we're here today because we, we want to get right with God. We know that what we're doing isn't right. 
And so they came in, we started meeting together. I said, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to have a Bible study uh, or do you want to do marriage counseling, premarital counseling? And it's so funny, I'm the preacher, I guess I should have known, but, but they said, well, why don't we do the Bible study? Because if we get in a right relationship with God, we'll know how to get in a right relationship with one another, which, you know, you'd think the preacher would have come to that conclusion on his own. But uh, we started studying. They would come in and we'd have a Bible study and, and talk about different things. And, and again, so much of what I'm doing now is just trying to introduce people to Jesus and tell them about who he is and explain to them what he did for them. And I remember there was another family in on, in on the study and it was, a, it was a Monday morning and he called me and he said, hey, Tim, I'm not going to work today. We're at the courthouse. Uh, we're getting a marriage license and then we're coming to your office and we're getting married today. So my secretaries came in and set, set as many chairs as they could kind of around the outside of my office. The secretaries, our ministry staff, uh, the couple that was part of the study, they all came in. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sitting on my desk. They're standing in front of me. They exchanged their vows. You, you know what that is. You know, they both say I do. And then here they are, newlyweds, and we walk into the auditorium. And we go back to the changing room. And he walks down into the water, and the guy that helped me with this study took his confession and baptized him. And then that guy got out of the water, Dylan stayed, and his wife that he, he just married five minutes ago walks down there with him. And he took her confession, and he baptized her. And they're one in Christ. And then... About two years later, they went to Bear Valley. And he got, a, he, he got training for ministry. And last year, he came back and joined our staff and started working with college-age Christians. It was kind of like an internship. And this year, he's moved off to Medill, Oklahoma with his wife and their uh, newborn baby. And they're doing a, an associate ministry. If you think people aren't hungry, and can I tell you what that, that felt like to me? I, I'm not in law enforcement. That's like people turning themselves in. Do, do you know what I mean? They came to us and they said, you're the people that are supposed to know how to get us out of what we're in and help us get to where we want to be. The stories that we read, these conversion accounts that we read tonight, I think God is continually writing new chapters. If you leave tonight and think I mean that he's adding to inspiration, that's not what I mean. What I'm saying is he's still working. The gospel is still powerful. Jesus, listen, I know he saves. He doesn't just save. He transforms. These people don't look like they used to. The old is gone. And the new has come. And you need to know you're not too far away to come back. And it's not too late. So our question tonight, we'll end with this. Why not now?
Some of you may need to come to to Jesus in the sense of being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Some may have done that and drifted, but you need to come back. Why not do that right now as we stand and sing?